0: Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. As Leona said, we've got a big vision. It's seeing Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed. It's a big, big vision. And so every year what we like to do is to just... Try and frame that up into something a little bit more, uh, you know, attainable. (laughs) We like to bring it down into a into a single step. What is it that we should focus on? What should we fix our focus on this year? And we pray into that. And this year, as we prayed into that, we felt like the Lord was saying that for 2024, it's about equipping everyone to lead someone to Jesus. That in order to see Jesus glorified lives transformed and hope revealed. We've got to really invest, we've got to focus our attention on equipping every single person to lead someone to Jesus. Now, just pause for one second. Get a little bit excited. Can you imagine what would happen, not just here, but in the Adelaide Hills, if every person a part of Hills Baptist Church, with a lot more than just the people in this room, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by might, not by intellect, not by any of those things, but by the power of the Holy Spirit and your yes, God used you to draw someone to Christ. Just imagine what that would look like, whether you are five years old or whether you are 85 years old. What would the Adelaide Hills look like at the end of this year if that was the reality of the mission of this church? Does that excite anybody? Oh, that gives me tingles. I get pumped about that sort of stuff. It is a a big vision. It's an exciting vision. And so when you look at that, you go, okay, Lord, that's what you're calling us to do. Where do we begin? Where do we, like, how do we start this? What should we we preach on? What should we look at in life groups? What should we run courses on? What should we focus on? And as you go to the Scripture, because that's really the place we should go over and over again, the answer is pretty simple. We should really look to what the apostles did, amen. Because when the apostles got given their great commission at the end of the book of Matthew and the very beginning of the book of Acts, and Jesus like, "Go into all nations, make disciples," he gives that that mandate, that commission, that call. There's something that they do. Does anyone know what it is? They pray. Come with me. Come. Let me sit next to you for a second. Squidge over. I'll sit down. Let's get the Bibles out. Acts chapter 1, reading from verse 12. Have a look at this. This is just after they've seen Jesus ascend to the Father. Not only have they seen Jesus ascend to the Father, they have then had two angels appear to them and speak. That's a big deal, yeah? They've had a very profound experience about the call that God has given them. And here's what they do. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. So they didn't go straight out into all the world. They returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in what? Pardon? We're going to have to do better than that, Hills Baptist Church. What did they join together in? Prayer. Prayer. They all joined together constantly in prayer, And it wasn't just the fellas, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In getting the Great Commission, the very first thing the apostles do, the very first thing the followers of Jesus do, is they devote themselves to prayer. And so that is what we are going to do. Throughout January, we're going to be preaching into prayer. We're going to have a look at... Uh, what the Bible talks and teaches us about prayer. We're going to call each and every one of us to prayer. And starting January 28th, we're going to have a week of prayer and fasting. So this is sort of a habit that we have at Hills, that every January, February, we like to start our year in some sort of prayer and fasting. So this year, from the 28th through to the whatever that is, I think it's the 4th-ish of February, we will be having a week of prayer and fasting. Now, we'll bring more information about that later. Some of you are already looking at me, freaking out, like, seven days of no food? David, what? It doesn't necessarily have to be that, but as a church, we are going to dive into prayer, humble ourselves and pray, and spend some time in prayer and fasting. Why? Not only because that's what the Bible tells us to do, not only because that's what the Apostles did, but it's because this is what Jesus did. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 35. What is the example that he set? Mark 1:35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. Where he what? Where he prayed. Why did the apostles in seeing Jesus ascend, go straight back to Jerusalem to pray. It's not because the Holy Spirit came and gave them five steps to spiritual breakthrough or five steps to transforming the world and step one started with prayer. It's not because when the angels came, the angels said, now you need to devote 40 days to prayer and fasting before you go. No, 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 no. The reason they went to Jerusalem to pray was because that is what Jesus had modelled to them. Yeah? That's what they'd learnt. That's what they'd seen. That's what they knew. They didn't know. He said, wait. They didn't know how long they had to wait. They didn't know how the world was going to change. They didn't know what they were going to do. But the one thing they did know is how to pray. Because Jesus had taught them how to pray. He'd modelled to them how to pray. And so as a church, we're going to get on our knees And we're going to follow that example. We are going to be a people of prayer. The disciples weren't left scratching their heads. They knew exactly what to do. And here's the cool thing. A couple of quick things that stand out to me. Some questions that ask. Why did Jesus pray? Because this will frame up our whole understanding of prayer and and lead us into this place. Have you ever wondered why, why did Jesus pray? If Jesus is fully man and fully God, if he is one with the Father, if before Abraham was, I am, which is what Jesus said, if he's God, why pray? Have you ever wondered that? It's, it's easy for us to sit there and just be like, what's he doing that?" And it reveals something incredible about what prayer actually is because while Jesus is fully God while he is one with the Father it shows he hasn't gone to God because he needs necessarily something from the Father it's because he loves intimacy with the Father because God is triune the Father Son Spirit they are three but they are one and there is an intimacy there is there is a Deep love that exists between the Father, Son, and Spirit. And so Jesus just prefers the presence of the Father. He prefers the presence of the Spirit. For him, getting up early to pray was his very lifeblood. He wanted to be with the Father, with the Spirit. He wanted to be in the presence. So he gets up early and he prays. And friends, this is something so profound. Tyler Statton, who wrote a great book called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, says this. Prayer is about presence before it is about anything else. Prayer doesn't begin with outcomes. Prayer is the free choice to be with the Father, to prefer His company. Friends, this is something we got to catch this year at its core, at the very foundation of what prayer is, it is not about our wants and our needs. It is not about us trying to convince God to pay attention to our predicament. It is not about us trying to bend God's will to our own. It is not fundamentally even about loosing the chains in the heavenlies and casting out, you know, Prayer fundamentally at its very, very core is simply about intimacy. It is about giving God our attention and where we put our attention is also our affection. Prayer is about being with God. How you going Hills Baptist? This is what prayer is about. Prayer is about intimacy. And the disciples had learned this because when Jesus, when they asked Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray, what did he say? He said some very familiar words. He said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And on he goes. Do you know the fascinating thing about that is that Jesus hasn't actually just made that up. Jesus is actually rewriting an ancient Hebrew prayer that was prayed in the temple called the Kaddish. Everyone say Kaddish. Let me read the Kaddish to you. This is a prayer. It's actually a prayer of mourning that's prayed in the temple. It says this, Glorified and sanctified be God's great name throughout the world, which he has created according to his will. May he establish his kingdom in your lifetime and during your days and within the life of the entire house, speedily and soon. Amen. What does that sound like? It sounds a lot like our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. The difference, however, is that one is that God is a bit distant. The other one is radically intimate. The other is, is Jesus teaching the disciples not to say Jehovah, but to actually call upon the Father, to call Yahweh, to call the great God of heaven intimately Father. He is calling them into a radical Intimacy, he is revealing something about the nature of prayer that yes, there is a discipline that needs to be involved and we'll get to all of that later, but that at its core, it is about the pursuit of the presence of the Father. It is about preferring God's presence over everything else. Friends, hear me, hear me really, really clearly right here, right now. Everyone look at me. I need you to catch this. Prayer is the simplest thing in the entire world. Hello? Yeah? Yeah, I'm just in the middle of preaching. Yeah, 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 I know. That's good. Okay, yep, all right, bye. Sorry, that was Anthony Riemann, our church treasurer, just letting me know that he sent me an important email. And work's really important, isn't it? And we've got this big property thing that's coming up very, very soon. So he just said, he, I better just check that email. Is that all right? If you guys, if I just quickly... I'm a really good multitasker, so I'll just preach and check my email and just let him know that we've got those financials sorted for the upcoming giving campaign. And I'll let him know. Yep. Fantastic. Great. Okay sorry where was I oh prayer is the simplest thing in the whole world sorry that's just my alarm letting me know that I need to get my protein intake for the day because I've got this new you know this new plan 160 grams of protein a week a day because health is really important and luckily I'm a really good multitasker so I've actually come prepared give me one second You guys don't mind, do you, because, because health is really important and we just need to make sure that we... Pro- oh, that's harder to get off than I thought. For those looking, you know, 160 grams of protein a day, it's really important. We'll just get a banana in there so it tastes a bit better. Isn't that right, Elisha? <laughs> One scoop. You guys okay? You don't mind... If I just get on with it, and it's really good to add berries. So we'll just whiz that up. Because health's important, and we've got to get, you know, we got to get first things right, Saul, don't we? need 160 grams. Great, got that done. Better get that in the hatch. Wow, that was thicker than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Just give me one second to recover. Where were we? Oh, that's right. Prayer is the simplest thing in the whole world. Hang on, I better get that. That's my mum. You always answer your mum because fam's important. Hi, mum. Yeah, 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 I know. Yep, we'll get on to that. All right. Okay. All right. Bye. I love you. Bye. Sorry. It's uh, just my mum letting me know there's a family dinner coming up and we're on dessert. So I better get on to making the cake and uh, making sure everything is all right. Oh, look. Someone just sent me a funny video of a cat. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, that's great. Oh, sorry. Where? Hang on. Where was I? Oh, that's right. Prayer's the simplest thing in the whole world. Except for the fact that it isn't. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Or is it just me? Prayer is the simplest thing in the whole world. It's about prioritising the presence of God. And yet, it is the single most contested thing we will ever face. Why? Because it's the most important thing. Because we were created to abide with God in the garden. That is the sole purpose of our creation is to be in right relationship, to be intimately walking with the Father. And yet there's this rotten thing called sin that gets in the way. And do you know what? There's actually these other things that are good things. Like getting 180 gram, 160 grams of protein. 180 might be a bit much. Like time with family. Like work commitments that are really important that need to be done. There's a thousand good things that we all have going on in our world that can very, very easily get in the way of the intimacy God is calling us to in prayer. So if prayer is the simplest thing in the whole world, how do we prioritise it? What do we do? How do we make way? And this is the fascinating thing about Jesus because it says what? He got up early in the morning. You know, we actually have to put some disciplines in place. Now, I know some of you, when you hear the word spiritual discipline, some people are like, yeah, because you're a disciplined person. You're like, come on. Others of you are like, Dave, grace. (laughs) For God's sake. Don't put me under law. I'm under grace. Which you are. You're under grace. You are. But we all still need discipline. Listen to what Peter Gregg, founder of 24-7 Prayer Movement, says. This is such a profound thing. He says, A Christian who prays only when they feel like it may survive, but you'll never thrive. Their vast innate potential will be stunted because, listen to this, listen, grace needs a little space to take root between the cracks of a person's Life. Oh, I will say that again. A Christian who prays only when they feel like it may survive. I'll put this in the weekly email this week. You sign up to it, you'll get it. A Christian who prays only when they feel like it may survive, but they will never thrive. Their vast innate potential to fulfil the mission of God by the power of the Holy Spirit will be stunted because grace Needs a little space to take root between the cracks of a person's life. Friends, yes, it's not about legalistic righteousness. Let me tell you something prayer done out of duty will always wane, but dutiful prayer will remain. Prayer done out of duty will grow tired. And weary and you'll find three months down, no matter how disciplined you think you are, it will stop. But the dutiful prayer, the disciplined prayer, the daily habit prayer where I put it in there and I'm not allowing distractions. I'm turning my phone off, I'm shutting my laptop, I'm doing my protein later, whatever it is. When I get up early in the morning, when I follow the example of Christ, that's the sort of prayer that will remain whether it be my, my daily Bible reading schedule, whatever it might be, when I put a discipline in, it will become a life habit. And even if I feel nothing, even if I get to the end of it, and I'm like, well, God, I did that did nothing for me. Another day has passed. My prayers remain unanswered. I'm still wondering where the heck you are. And yet, guess what? God got your attention. And therefore He got your affection and His ways are not our ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts. He's above us, but He is for you. And whatever you're going through, He promises that He will work all things together for your good. We see just this speck In the the, the endlessness of eternity and God sits above and beyond all and He sees everything and He knows from generation to generation to generation and He knows that when we pray our hearts are for Him and He says, trust me. We sung it. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been good. For some of you that is a hard song to sing because you're saying, is it? And the purpose of prayer is to come back to the cross and to say, even if I can't see it, even if I can't sing it, for the events that are happening in my life right now, when I go to the cross, I can boldly declare, you are good and you are faithful and therefore I will give you my attention and my affection. I will prioritise the presence of the Father. I will prefer you to everything else. We need the disciplines. It's why the Jews have their morning, midday and their evening prayer. It's why the the Muslims have their five prayers a day. We need the disciplines. Yes, we're under grace, but don't forsake, don't, don't mistake grace for just licentiousness and ignorance. Even in a marriage, you're under grace, but you still have to make time. I don't say, well, I'm married, therefore I'll do whatever the heck I want to do and she'll love me. Yeah, she's going to love me. But if I want that intimacy to grow, we've got to prioritise one another. Are you with me? The same's true for our relationship with Jesus. So in the time we have left, I'm going to close shortly. But I want to just take us to one of Jesus' prayers. Next week and the weeks to come, we'll look more deeply at the Lord's Prayer. But for now, I want to take you to the Garden of Gethsemane. Come with me to to Matthew 26. I've still got that protein shake sitting there. (laughs) Come with me to Matthew 26 and I want you to see a pattern, a very simple pattern, something for each one of us, even this week, to take with us and just apply as a discipline of prayer to prefer the presence of God. Verse 36, chapter 26 of Matthew. He then went a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Quick pattern to take with us, little acronym, pray, P. Learn to pause. Jesus got up early in the morning. Why? Because his life was busy. And he wanted to pray. You know, like we think we're busy. Jesus' cousin died, John the Baptist, and he was up on a mountain. He came down. The first thing that happens is 5,000 people crowd around him wanting something from him. He was a busy dude but he prioritised the presence and he understood that in his life, he needed to create space to pause. In the garden, in his time of deep, deep sadness and struggle and wrestling, he had some people with him, but he went a little farther. He got by himself. He paused that he could set himself to prayer. Here's the question for each one of us. Where is there pause in our lives? And you're like, Dave, i got a three-month-old child. I don't have any pause in my life. Yes, you do. Every single person on this planet has 24 hours. Did you know that? No one has any more time than anyone else. One of my favourite memories of church was uh, a number of years ago when we were at Littlehampton. We had one family who had five children under the age of eight, I think, and we had another family who had one child and that person came to church maybe once every four or five weeks. They came along and they were saying, oh man, it's just so hard. Anyone who comes to church with, with a child should have a medal. And this person with five children who was there every single week was like, yeah, it is really difficult. It really is. But it's just about priorities. And I remember just at that moment just like backing out like, I'll let you guys talk. But he had this conversation and they went into it. At the end of the day, we all have 24 hours and we choose. Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes the kid's not going to scream. It doesn't mean you're not going to get an email. It doesn't mean how do we create pause. Even if it's two minutes of pause, guess what? God's got your attention for those two minutes. It's not about how many hours. It's not about any of that. It's just about choosing to prefer his presence, if only for a moment. Jesus creates ports. Number two, watch this. He prays, my Father. Ah, rejoice, reflect. You see it in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's what he's doing here. My Father. He's just declaring who God is, he's declaring intimacy, he's declaring his own relationship, he's declaring something of who God is and saying, I'm gonna set my gaze upon that no matter what's going on around me. As the weight of the world literally is about to descend upon his shoulders, he takes a moment to say, Father. To actually acknowledge the God of love. The God of intimacy. Father. It's what he taught his apostles, our Father. And when they hear that, it's, it, it delineates, it goes on to the Kaddish, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Learn to rejoice, learn to reflect, learn to praise even when it's painful, and learn to praise when it's profitable. So many times when things are going really, really well, that's when we forget to actually give God glory. Did you know that? Is that true in anyone else's life? That's what, hap- that's what Moses says is going to happen in the book of Deuteronomy to the Israelites. He's like, you know, you're going to be blessed. You're going to prosper. And then you're going to say, look what my hands did. We've got to be a people who remember what, regardless of our circumstance, to rejoice in who God is and to reflect on His goodness. Reflect on the Father heart of God. Reflect on the cross. Reflect on all that He has done. Just take a moment to say, hallow be your name. Number three, ask. A, P-R-A, ask. What does He say? If it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Guess what? God's not afraid of our requests. I said prayer isn't about getting what we want. But it is about posturing ourselves before God, knowing that He'll give us what we need. And sometimes as we ask and we pour out our heart, He'll start to just align our motives with His for us. There's nothing wrong with crying out to God, saying, Lord, where are you? Like, ask, Jesus, take this from me. The one thing He came to do. If it's possible, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to suffer like this. I don't want this. Please, if it's possible, take it from me. But then look what he does. Band, you can come up. We're going to close. Ask God. Come before him with your request, but then he yields. Everyone say, yield. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Come to God. Hold him to his word. I love in the Psalms, you said, like, hold God to his promises. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to, Moses did it, Abraham did it. Come to God, ask him, and then yield. Get on our knees and say, Lord, there it is. <laughs> that's my heart laid bare before you. And maybe that's an, 10 minutes of rejoicing, And just celebrating. Maybe that's an hour of crying. Whatever it is, but learn to yield. Why? Because God is good. Do you know that? Do you know that, church? God is good. The evidence is across. God is good. And all the time, God is good. He is good. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. He is worthy. And when we understand who he is and what he's done, and we spend that time ref- like reflecting on his hallowed nature, it becomes easier to yield. It's like the beautiful old song "Amazing." It was an "Amazing Grace," where it's the things of earth grow strangely dim. Turn your eyes. The things of earth do grow strangely dim as we look full in the glories and wonders of his grace. May we be a church that pauses rejoices and reflects asks boldly entering the throne room of heaven to ask because we're his kids yeah children ask for stuff my kids even after having an iced chocolate in the afternoon will ask for dessert it's insane it's bold why do they ask? they know I love them I still said no (laughs) sometimes fathers will say no and that's okay because I know what's best for them and he knows what's best for us doesn't stop us from asking ask be bold but then yield yield to the good God of heaven not my will but yours be done make me more like you align my heart with yours And so, friends, here's what we're going to do. I want to encourage you this week to take a moment to pause, to rejoice and reflect, to ask and to yield and to put that into practice. But as a church right now, we're going to put that into practice by taking communion. A chance in our hectic, busy weeks to pause, to rejoice on what He has done, to reflect on His goodness ask for whatever it is and maybe if you're here as a family you can get together and pray as a family and bring your request to God maybe if you're an individual here just sit quietly and pray or gather a friend and pray whatever that is invite someone into that and then together we'll yield so I'm going to invite you to take the bread and the cup or the wafer and the tiny little cup and I want you to bring it back to your seat And then I'm going to read a poem by a guy called Ted Loder, which is an amazing poem. And then we'll drink and we'll eat together as a celebration of God's goodness. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.